It is my privilege and my honor to bring the word to you, and I'm excited about it this morning. I want to ask you to be turning to Psalm 3 for me. Uh, as you're turning to Psalm 3, I kind of want to bring something maybe to your attention and ask you, you something. As, as I was studying for this passage and I was reading through Psalm 3, I started thinking about it. Do you ever have those, those days, those mornings that just don't seem to start off just quite right? Maybe it was you know, the first person that you saw that day, maybe when you got to work or you got to the office. Maybe it was you got to the gym to go exercise or pulled in the carpool line and drop off the kids. And that first person that you saw that day, and they just asked that simple question, we just kind of do out of common courtesy, you know, so how's your day? And really about the only response that you could give was that just release of that just deep breath that, oh, what a morning. Just what a morning this has been. Nothing has seemed to go right. Well, this morning, as we're going to be reading Psalm 3, we're going to see that that is the morning that King David is having in Psalm 3. We all have those times that we're just kind of unsure of what's going to happen, especially when they don't seem to quite start off just right. We don't know what's going to become of the day. We have circumstances that we just really aren't sure where we can turn, who we can turn to, especially when we kind of get the feeling that I really can't look to myself in this situation for help. And we know that we have to look to somebody else. And we're just not sure of what's going to happen. Well, what I want us to see today as we examine our own lives and look at these times and situations where we're just not sure what's going to happen, that we, as David did, must put our trust completely and wholly in God. Now, today we're going to be looking at a particular morning in the life of King David. And this morning... David is not only unsure of what's going to happen, he is in danger. There's a real imminent physical danger that he is facing. Now today is, is Father's Day, as we've already mentioned, so happy Father's Day again to all the dads. And you may be asking, well, what is this physical danger? Why is King David in danger this morning? We're going to see that his own son has actually forced him to flee, to run away. His own son is trying to kill him. I want to ask you, now, to please stand out of reverence for God's Word. And I'm going to be reading all of Psalm 3. A Psalm of David, when he fled from Absalom, his son. O Lord, how many are my foes! Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. I lay down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. Remain standing and pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have your word before us. We thank you, Father, that it is living, that it is breathing, that it is speaking to us. 
And Lord, as we look today to Psalm 3, and we look into a particular situation, to a particular morning and day in the life of King David, Father, may we also be able to, to look and examine our own lives. And Father, see, as David trusted in you and found comfort in that, that we also, Father, should not trust in ourselves, but put our trust completely and wholly in you. And we do pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Now, there are, there's a couple things I want us to be focusing on this morning as we go through this passage together. And they're really, they're, they're quite simple. And there's just three little points, and they all kind of run together. The first is, I want us to see the crisis that David is in. We're going to examine this crisis and see this danger that David is in. Secondly, we're going to be looking at confidence. So we've got this crisis David is in. We're going to be looking at our own lives to see that we too face times where we're uncertain of what's going to happen. And then we're going to see that we will have confidence in something. We will put our confidence in somebody. We will find that stronghold. We will put our feet and we want them on a foundation. We're going to put it somewhere. We're going to see that we need to put our confidence in God. And that's the last thing we'll look at is that confidence in God is way better than anything else that you or I can come up with. So we're going to be looking at crisis. We're going to be seeing that we will have confidence in something or somebody. And then we're thirdly going to see that confidence in God is the best route to go. Now, Psalm 3 is actually the first psalm that gives us an historical setting where we can actually put this psalm into the context in which it was written. And I think it's important, I feel it's important for us this morning to take a look at 2 Samuel chapter 15. Keep your hand here in Psalm 3. We're going to be coming right back and spending the bulk of our time there. But flip back with me, if you will, to 2 Samuel chapter 15. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6 and then verses 13 and 14 of 2 Samuel 15. After this, Absalom got himself a chariot and horses and 50 men to run before him. And Absalom used to rise early and stand beside the way of the gate. And when a man had a dispute to come before the king for judgment, Absalom would call to him and he would say, From what city are you? And when he said, Your servant is of such and such a tribe in Israel, Absalom would say to him, See, your claims are good. And right, but there is no man designated by the king to hear you. Then Absalom would say, Oh, that I were judge in the land. Then every man with a dispute or a cause might come to me, and I would give him justice. And whenever a man came near to pay homage to him, he would put out his hand, he would take hold of him, and kiss him. Thus Absalom did to all of Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Now look up at verse 13. And a messenger came to David, saying, The hearts of the men of Israel have gone after Absalom. Then David said to all his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee, or else there will be no escape for us from Absalom. Go quickly, lest he overtake us quickly, and bring down ruin on us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. See, what's going on right here is this all boils down to while David has been taking care of the affairs of his government, 
while he's been taking care of the things that are going on in his city, his own son, Absalom, has raised a rebellion, has raised up folks to follow him, raised this revolt, and now they are charging against David. He has stolen the hearts of the people, and he's actually he's located himself in a nearby town in Hebron. Now, this conspiracy or this revolt, and this is important for us this morning, we have to understand, David did not see this coming. This rebellion, this revolt that, that came from his own son, it, he did not see this coming. It was completely unexpected. So David, he crosses over the Kidron Valley, and he made his way up on the Mount of Olives. And he finds a safe place in the desert. And 2 Samuel 15, verse 30, actually tells us, that David went up the ascent of the Mount of Olives, weeping as he went, barefoot, and his head covered. See, this is a father who is torn apart. He is hurting. He is weeping. He is crying for his own son. Now, this psalm is, is quite obviously not talking about some just random disappointment or some, some vague problem, but rather we are looking at a very specific physical danger and problem that David is facing on a particular morning. I want us to look again at verses 1 and 2 in Psalm 3. O Lord, how many are my foes. Many are rising against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no salvation for him in God. Now look, I know that, that many of us, probably all of us in this room this morning, we're not waking up in the morning with an an imminent military decision that has to be made. But I would venture to say that you are facing some sort of struggle in your life. I would venture to say that you probably, maybe you do feel betrayed. Maybe you feel betrayed by someone that's close to you, betrayed by somebody that you love. You may not be facing a thousand foot soldiers like King David was, and that's, that's literal. Literally, there are thousands that are rising up against him, against him that want him dead. And his own son is doing this. But verse 2, it tells us that many of the people around David, they're saying that even God could not deliver him. Charles Spurgeon said, It is the most bitter of all afflictions to be led to fear that there is no help for us in God. See, when we're trusting in ourselves to fix our own situations, when we feel that we've been left or we feel isolated and it's up to us to figure this out, to figure out what needs to be done, we feel there's no coming back for this. There's no hope. We feel doomed. We don't know how to look forward in those times. See, when we're trusting in ourselves, we, just, we feel that our life where it is, is, that's it. That's what's important to us in that moment. And when we leave it to ourselves, we feel that there's no getting out of it. Now, I don't know what it is for you this morning that maybe you've walked through those doors with this morning that could be weighing on your mind, that maybe is weighing you down. I have no idea for some of you what it could be. And maybe you think right now, maybe your life is, is all candy and balloons right now. It could be. But I guarantee you've at least experienced a time where you, you really had no idea where you could turn, where you could put your trust. But before we go on and we look at the rest of this psalm, I really need you, I need you to be thinking of that situation. I need you to be thinking right now what it is. And maybe for some of you, you did walk into this room this morning feeling betrayed, feeling hurt, thinking, I don't know what's going to happen this week. I want you to be thinking of that right now because you need to realize that it is in the midst of your distress. 
It is in the midst that during these times that God will appear to you and he will deliver you. You see, we have our crisis in verses 1 and 2. Now, David's saying, I was forced to leave my own city. I was forced to leave my own town. I had to run for my own life for my own son. David's thinking right now, I have no idea how this is going to turn. He wakes up this morning not knowing if he's going to be dead or what's going to happen. Am I going to lose the city? But something changes here. And David starts verse 3 with a very important word for you and me this morning. Notice the change here. He's, he's saying, I don't know what's going to happen. So we can be saying, I don't, I'm nervous. Harrison, you don't understand. I, I'm nervous about this or that this weekend. Harrison, you have no idea. I'm scared because you don't understand how I've been treated. If you only understood this past week how I was treated, you would know why I'm so angry, why I'm so frustrated. Yet we come to verse 3, and there's a word right here that we have to hang on to. See, something changes. We go from this crisis, I don't know what's going to happen, to, but you, O Lord. And that but right there, it changes everything in our minds. Look at verses 3 and 4. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. I cried aloud to the Lord. He answered me from his holy hill. See, verses 3 and 4 tell us something about God. It tells us that he is our shield, that he lifts our head when it is severely cast down, and also that God hears us and that God answers us. Now, when we think about a shield, I want us to, to really pay attention here because this, this is not the kind of shield that you and I typically think of either. And I was, I was thinking about this, reading through this passage, and I was reminded of, of my little boy, of Harrison, and when he started playing with blocks. You know, like the big kinds of like big Legos, you know, that, so the real little ones can kind of stack them and they can stand on each other. We had these particular kind of, I've never seen them in anybody else's home, by the way, but did anybody have pop-ons? It's a particular brand. They were called pop-ons. They had these really long and skinny ones. They were really good for, for him when he was really young because you didn't have to get it just right on there, and they would stick to each other, and they were pretty strong. He would take these long, skinny ones and stack them on top of each other like a, like a bat, something he would swing. And he would pretend that these pop-ons were his sword. Now, this, this, this box of blocks came with this kind of uh, a foundation, if you will, on the bottom that you could put on the floor and start building on, a, you know, so they wouldn't just fall off the carpet. So it was this rectangle piece that you could start building on. And he used to want me to pick one of those pop-ons and just put it onto that rectangle kind of shield, and he would want me to put it in front of me like this. So I had this rectangle in front of me, and he would come charging at me with that sword that he had. And, I mean, this thing, it was about the size of my Bible here, really. And he's coming at me and swinging, not even looking where he's going. I'm having to move it around and block it and go. He'd go for my leg, and I'd do that, and I'd be on the ground. He'd go for my head. And I'm starting thinking, he could really smack me with this thing. Well, this is not the type of shield that Scripture is pointing us to that God is in our life. Think of, I was trying to think of a way to, to, to do this. Think of like a police riot shield. Do you know the ones I'm talking about that they're designed, they're actually made to be the size of an average person from head to toe with the little slit in there that you can see out of to see the danger that you're going into? Have you ever noticed that those shields, though, that they kind of curve around? 
and they come around you. That is the picture that we're getting here, that God is a shield about us, that he's around us. Think of Braveheart. Think of Gladiator or Troy. Do you remember when Achilles, if you've seen the movie Troy, when he jumped off the boat and he got on the sand and he charged up the beach and you know, he had his shield and he's turning around and the arrows are coming at him and he slams it in the sand and he gets down behind it and he's leading the charge. He's serving as their general and he turns back and everyone falls in like that. All of a sudden, all you see is just this black field around them. All of the troops have come with him. There's guys holding shields up here because the person next to him has their shield right here. And the person below them has a shield here. They are completely and fully protected. Arrows flying around, spears bouncing off of them. They are completely protected from every angle. That is what God is for us. One commentator said, Oh, what a shield is God for His people. He wards off the fiery darts of Satan from beneath and the storms of trials from above. You see... As Chris announced earlier, I haven't been here all that long. It's been about a month and a half. But if you don't already know this, let me be the first to tell you, I'm going to let you down. I'm going to. You can pretty much count on that. At some point, I am going to let you down. Your closest and dearest friends are going to let you down. Your wife, your husband, your children are going to let you down. The children need to understand that their parents, we are going to let them down. But God, verse 3, but God is a shield about us. He is protecting us always, no matter what. Now, why is all this important for us this morning? We take all this and we, we think of these times where we're not sure what's going to happen. We find ourselves in what we label as, as a crisis or an uncertainty in our life. And we realize that we, we want to find something to put our confidence in. But what does that really matter for us this morning? Well, look at verses 5 and 6. I laid down and slept. I woke again, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of many thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. When I was reading and studying for this passage, it seemed like every, every person that I turned to, all the commentators, every book that I looked in, said that verses 5 and 6 of Psalm 3 should just jump off the page to us. It, it should seem odd to us that those verses are even there in this psalm. Because with all that's going on, with all the uprising from within David's own household, what does he do? He's able to lie down. He's able to get a good night's rest. He's able to sleep Well, he says, I'm not going to be afraid of the many thousands of people who are against me. Now look, stress and anxiety, they're they're actually pretty impressive things. And they're they're real. We really do experience these things. But I've I've noticed something about myself. I've noticed when I get anxious about something. Do you know what I do? I don't know how it is for you, but I've noticed when I get worried or I get anxious about something, what I'm actually doing is I'm envisioning that that thing that I'm worried about, that's something that God might forget. That's what I'm doing. I'm forgetting the faithfulness of my God. When I'm worried, when I'm anxious, it's as if I think that that God doesn't think that matters. 
that God may forget about that. See, when our wills are not conformed to His, we will attempt anything to fix a wrong, won't we? I was reading, and there's a, I have to share this quote with you. It said, Anxious care often leads to acts of sin. Anxious care often leads to acts of sin. Just read the headlines or watch Fox News with the celebrities and the politicians. When something happens, when we get caught in something, what's the first thing we do? We try to cover it up. We try to deny it. Anxious care often leads to acts of sin. King David. King David did the same thing. He's no stranger to this. He is no exception. Do you remember when David sinned with Bathsheba? Do you remember what he did when he found out, when he heard the news that Bathsheba was with child? What was the first thing that David did? Do you remember? He had her husband murdered. Anxious care often leads to acts of sin. See, anxiety makes us doubt God's loving kindness. We often forget that. I don't want you to, I don't want you to turn there. I want you to just listen when I re- while I read for you from Philippians 4, verse 6. It says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. Do you hear that? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And you know what? Verse 7. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now verses 7 and 8, they do something, uh, they do something very interesting for us this morning. Let me read those quickly. Starting with verse 7, it says, Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you strike all my enemies on the cheek, You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing be on your people. See, it it reminds us here that there is absolutely nothing that you cannot take to God. That there is nothing you cannot lay at the foot of the cross with confidence and ask your God to intervene on your behalf. But do you know why? Do you know why I can stand up here and say with confidence you can take anything that you are dealing with right now and you can take it to the foot of the cross and it can be dealt with? I say that because it already has. Are you having a difficult time with being a parent? Maybe marriage, this marriage thing, Harrison, wasn't exactly what I thought I signed up for. Or maybe it's, you know, maybe the the all too common Harrison man... I'm, I'm telling you, I just I had it in my mind. If I could only get that promotion, if I could only get that job, and everything else was going to line up just right. If I could just get to that that I've been working towards, everything else was going to fall into place. Are you struggling with the whole idea of Christianity in the first, first place? The whole idea of this Christian life? Because with Christianity, you have to rely on somebody else, right? You have to admit that you're weak. And I'm too prideful for that. If I have to rely on somebody else and admit that I'm weak, I'm too prideful. But we've missed the whole point. 
It's admitting that I have now been empowered and I have the strength to face anything that comes my way because Jesus has already dealt with it for me. I now can face anything. But see, we have to, with David here in verse 7, we have to be able to say, Save me, my God. But to be able to say that this morning, to be able to say, God, save me. You have to be sitting there and realize that you need saving in the first place. So God caused Absalom to listen to bad advice. And Absalom failed to pursue his father when he was actually at his most vulnerable point. So David was able to kind of recharge and revamp his troops and get them ready for war. And when the fight finally took place, it happened in the forest of Ephraim. And there were 20,000 men who died. And one of which was David's son, Absalom. He died in that fight. But look what verse 8 tells us here. And it may even look, if it looks familiar to you, you think you've read it before, it it reminds us of Jonah, chapter 2, verse 9. It says, salvation belongs to the Lord. Now, why do you think that that is important for us this morning, that salvation belongs to the Lord? See, it's really a, it's a fairly simple thing. It's a simple idea. But we'll be tempted to leave this place this morning and forget all about it this week. See, here's the point. If God has saved you in this huge matter that is salvation, why are we worrying about the lesser things in this life? We can't pass over that. That salvation belongs to the Lord with everything that's going on in David's life right now. All of this that's happening from within his own household. He has no idea how this was going to end. He says, salvation belongs to the Lord. Because if God has saved me in the huge matter that is salvation, why am I going to worry about the lesser things in this life? It's about having confidence that the crisis that we are already in, as I've said, has already been taken care of by Jesus. God's non-rebellious and perfect Son. And we should praise God because when we petition Him, He has already been at work shielding us and protecting us and has already answered us no matter what we're going through. Now, you may have missed this earlier, but I want to read it again. I want us to go back up to verse 3. There's something in verse 3 that for me, it sort of sums up the whole message for us. And I'm, I'm going to end with this. In verse 3, David says, But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. David says that God is the lifter of his head. And when do you lift your head up? When you're really down in the dumps and you're just kind of walking around, that your head is typically down. When our head is up, it symbolizes that we're proud. And David's not saying that he lifts his own head up, but rather he said, God lifts his head up. God says, get your head up. I'm proud of you. Now, how can David say this with all that has happened in David's life? He can come before God and he can say, I have failed as a father. I have failed as a king. I have murdered. I have sinned after sin after sin. But he can come before God 
And he can say, you lift my head up because you are proud of me. He can say that because verse 4 gives us the answer. It says, I cried aloud to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy hill. So he says, God has already answered us. See, when David cried out saying, I have seen the holy hill, what, what is the holy hill? What do you think he's talking about there? That God is my shield. He lifts up my head. He's answered me from his holy hill. He's looking to Mount Zion. He's looking to the tabernacle. David sees the place of sacrifice. So David cries out knowing that he has gone before him and that he will prepare the day's battle. See, God has already answered us. Jesus has come and he has experienced every human emotion that you and I experience. Jesus is no stranger to what you and I go through. Jesus has been scared before. Jesus has been frightened before. Yes, I can say that. Do you remember in the garden? Do you remember when he was praying in the garden of Gethsemane? He began to sweat. And his sweat became drops of blood. Do you know why his sweat became drops of blood? See, I mentioned earlier about Achilles. About how he jumped off the boat in Troy and charged up the beach. And he called the troops and he took the lead. And he was serving as the general and put them all together. And all they could see from the little cracks in all those shields put together. The only thing they could see was people trying to kill him. That's all they could see in front of them was danger. But do you know what would happen if they disobeyed? And the movie portrayed this. If they were to turn around and they were to run in the other direction, that shield did them no good. They were exposed fully. They had to listen to their general and follow the charge and trust in him despite what they saw ahead of them. See, I mentioned earlier that it's in the midst of our distress and our danger that God will appear to us and will deliver us. Well, see, God in the garden was telling His Son to move towards something. See, what Jesus saw, Jesus saw His Father, His general, leading Him to a tomb. Now, you show me a tomb, it looks like a dead end to me. You show me a tomb, it looks like, what's beyond that tomb? Jesus knew that his father was leading him to a tomb. Now, I said earlier that we can't turn and go in the other direction, but if God is leading you in the direction of something, you do not know how it's going to turn out, where your trust, where it must go. As I've mentioned, we must find our foundation in God alone. Because if you run the other way, you are only exposed in an even greater danger. You want to feel better about the situation that you find yourself in, that maybe you're facing now, or maybe, like I said earlier, if it's candies and balloons, I promise you, there will be a time when you experience this, because God has not promised us an easy life. Actually, he, rather, He has promised us that we will suffer, that we will experience times where we will need to trust in Him and not in ourselves. See, we have to put our trust in the one who leads us to a tomb. But see, when we get to that tomb, that tomb is empty. See, the tomb is not a dead end. The tomb is resurrection. 
The tomb is a new life that is promised us if we will only trust in Him. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we do come before you this morning as hurting people. Father, all too often we just we don't know what's going to happen in our lives. Father, we feel pressure to figure it out for ourselves, for our families, to step up and to take control and to figure things out on our own. God, when we do that, our heart, our hearts are prone to sin. Our hearts, the default setting is to chase after things that are contrary to you, God. Father, we do not have a kingdom mindset. Rather, we think of the things of this world as things that we need, as things that we want. But Lord, your word has told us that the things in this world are passing away. Father, we we put our glory, as David said, our glory in you, our glory being our weight, what is significant to us. May we put our glory completely in you. Father, when we reach those times, we pray that you would give us the strength and the courage to go forward, not feel like we have to to run away in the other direction, no matter what we see in front of us. May we find the faith and the trust, knowing that your Son, Jesus, has already dealt with it, has already taken care of it for us on our behalf. And Father, we do pray all these things in his name. Amen.